All right, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode four of the Tony Mack Show. Where today we're going to talk about uh, NCAA championship, how good is prep school basketball in Canada, uh, a Final Four visit that our guys took uh, down to Minnesota this past week, uh, and who they met and who they saw. So let's get right into it. I, I mean, we, we had a little pre-talk earlier. Uh, Manny, I think uh, your your prediction really came through in, in terms of us looking at you and saying, you know, Texas Tech. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and, you know, I just think just from watching them the whole year, you know, they were well coached, you know, tough, very talented as well. And plus they had a grad transfer point guard, which plays a big role in today's game. You know, the grad transfer is so huge. And then I had Virginia in the Final Four as well. And honestly, it was just a great, great game. And um, I think we got a taste of basketball that doesn't exist these days often. You know, we're so offensive oriented and it's really a battle of two defensive teams. It's just great to see. I think uh, one, one of the things that you see on Twitter and, and things that you saw happening was, uh, you know, people saying that this was going to be a boring game, and I, I think it turned out to be an amazing game of two defensive-minded teams that really went after it and, and then ended up really being who could score on offense here. So, man, uh, Jeremy, what, what, what's your take on, uh, on people saying that this was going to be the, the most boring game in, in NCAA basketball history? Um. I think it's boring to people who don't love basketball. I think if you if you enjoy and love the the whole nature of basketball and what it and what it means, and then I think it was a very exciting game. Well, I thought always thought prior to the game that it would be very exciting. Like I don't, I'm personally don't get excited by just seeing score uh, points scored. So for me, I, I I was anticipating and ready for a good basketball game regardless of the score. And on top of that, I mean, there are two well coached teams. And it's it's a joy for me to be able to say I produced um, national championship point guards. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I think uh, you know when when I was sitting there watching the game, the, the one thing that, that was really evident. I mean, both coaches' demeanor. Uh, we're sitting here with with five coaches in the room, or four in the room, and and me over here in uh, Portland, but. The demeanor of the coaches and their coaching style, you know, Pat, talk a little bit about what you saw in, in, in Coach Beard and, and Coach Bennett and, and, and kind of what was your takeaway from their style of coaching? Um, I think the one thing I noticed, <clears throat> and it was really clear, uh, was just seeing how uh, cool, calm, and collective uh, Coach Bennett was. Uh, you know, you see him on the sideline um, sitting down on his chair on the stool, uh, just relaxed, um, and, and, and kind of orchestrating what he wanted his team to go out there and do um, versus, you know, Chris Beard, who was all over the sideline, kind of looking a little bit like myself um, and, and kind of trying to just get his guys to, you know, battle through what they're going, what they're, what they're dealing with and also, you know, kind of, uh, I think, latch on to the energy that he was bringing. So he had one coach that was, you know, bringing the energy, active, um, communicating with his, with his team. The other one... Doing the communication, but doing it on a on, on a, uh, a a slighter level, um, trying to make sure that the guy's mental was uh, w was locked in, and I think a lot of that had to do with just um, their exit last year in the tournament to a 16th seed. Um, you know, they took a, a lot more of a different approach, um, and I think that it definitely paid off for them in the in the, in the end of the end of the game. 
um, where they just you know finished off and you know they're the they're the ones that came out on the last run so you know kind of you know I, I would say hats off to, to to Tony and what he was able to accomplish um, and just to see you know uh, his demeanor and how he handled the entire game uh, that's impressive it's something uh, something you don't often see nowadays in the game um, but I think that he uh, very much so controlled every outcome uh, of, of what might have happened to Virginia in that uh, in that basketball game I, I think the you know the I think the destiny uh, was with with Virginia, so to speak. When you look at all of the things went the right way for them, mm-hmm. um, you know, you look at, at guy hitting key, three key free throws to send them to the championship game, and then they got down in the championship game, and everything just seemed to go right. You know, the the missed double dribble call, the the three ball in the corner, just everything started to flow. Yeah, uh, and they got all the breaks. Uh, do, do you think? You know, we we always talk about it. It's like you got to roll with the punches. But do, do you think that you have to have those breaks to win a national championship? Um, I think in, in general, the game of basketball, it's inevitable. With, you know, what's going to happen? There's a team that's going to finish off the game on a run, and and that's going to be the team that comes out winning. Um, I think a little bit in regards, and, and this is something that I, I'm glad I'm getting a chance to, to talk about, was at the beginning of the game, you saw how dominant Virginia's uh, pack line defense was towards Texas Tech. They couldn't get any pe- ball penetration. They couldn't get any drive-and-kick situations. A lot of it was just settling for uh, whatever jump shot they got uh, late in the shot clock versus Virginia, who was running their stuff. Um, but then you saw kind of uh, a full momentum switch, which, once again, like I said earlier, you know the game will change very quickly. Um, but Texas Tech started to get more ball movement going in their offense, and they started getting to the basket, getting more open looks. It started to fall for them. And then you started to see vice versa with Virginia. Texas Tech's defense started to look really good, um, and, and Virginia was starting to be uh, a little bit you know, uh, one-dimensional, uh, coming up, pulling up for three, you know, coming up pass one time, you know, catch and shoot. So I, I, think, um, I think the biggest thing, and it, it points off to the last question that you said, I think just the, the con- how controlled – Tony was in that situation um, really um, reflected on his players. Uh, and I think that that was a huge reason why in overtime they were able to come out on top and just hit shots at the, at, at the right time. How uh, Jeremy Brandon uh, in watching the game, who were the three best players in this game? That's a tough one. Uh, one person that definitely, uh, well, I would say DeAndre Hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say uh, Guy and Ty Jerome. Uh, I just feel like those three were just dominant from from jump ball <laughs> to that last buzzer. Um, yeah, like and like in the I was watching um, a lot of like uh, kind of uh, pre-draft breakdown or, or NBA draft breakdown on a couple of these guys, and they were saying like with Ty Jerome, like he's deceptively quick, and like I guess like a lot of guys can't really like time like his change of speeds and stuff like that. And I remember he had one one big play where. He attacked on the left side, and he had a wide open layup, and then he kicked it out to Hunter, and I was I was honestly shocked. I'm like, like you yeah, had a wide open layup, and then Hunter, uh, sure enough, knocked down the open three. But just the fact that these guys were so in tune with each other, just knowing where each other were on the court, where to find each other, and execute as a team, like it showed why they were like three main guys where they they stood out uh, in that championship I they, game. I think they all all three of them scored over uh, 18 points apiece, mm-hmm. so that's impressive. I think it's. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think absolutely. I think it's I think it's tough to say. I mean, that's a good question because to say three people, like yeah, that's the three people who won. But I think Moretti and Jared Cover were making plays for Texas Tech down the line, down the stretch too. Mm-hmm. So I think DeAndre Hunter was for sure the best player in the game. Mm-hmm. 
but between Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and Cover and Moretti, I mean, that's, that's a tough two or three. Jeremy, prediction, prediction right now, Culver's, Culver's draft spot. I'm not a big mock draft dude, so I'm, I, I really honestly can't call it, but I'll say he's a first-rounder. I might be way off. I'm, like, he might be top five on the board right now. I don't know. Um, but I think I think he's lottery. I mean, he's young. He's explosive. He's, he's as far as I've seen, he's, his game has grown. He's one of those undervalued, under-recruited kids, they, they like to say. Um, so I think he's he's not one of those kids that grew up thinking his way is the only way. And uh, I think he has a lot of room for improvement, and he's oozing with talent. So I think he's a, he's a lottery pick. Absolutely. Um I'm gonna move us. I'm gonna move us along now to uh, our, our second topic. Here is how good is prep basketball in Canada? And uh, I, I think obviously we're biased because we're from Canada. But having Jeremy in the room and Manny being down at, at Oral Roberts, you guys got to see a lot of high school basketball elsewhere. Um, I'm out here at Hoop Summit in Portland, Oregon, and, and I'm watching. Um, you know, a funny situation happened yesterday at Hoop Summit. Is uh, they were scrimmaging, and a foul was called, and they went to the line, and, and they were like, it's one and one, and, and there's actually no such thing as one and one uh, in FIBA. So everyone was just highly confused. They shot the ball, everyone boxed out, and then, you know, Roy Renna and, and uh, Bork were yelling, there's no one and one. So, you know, it, it's I think we're really ahead of the game in Canada with, with, with our prep school basketball and the 24-second shot clock and the 14-second reset, um, you see the effect of how, how much better versed people are on the international side when, when you come down here and you watch MA understanding, you know, everything that, that we do up there and, and, and implementing it into his game down here. But how, how good is prep basketball here, Jeremy, compared to what you've seen? <clears throat> um, I think prep basketball here in Ontario is – one of the best in, in North America. Um, I come from Southern California where we have, what, top, like maybe 12. Like, we lead the league in, in guys as far as from an area. Like, L.A. leads that. Then I think right behind that, I've heard that Toronto is right behind it. So I think that kind of speaks to itself as far as, like, the, the level of kids that come out of here. And uh, it's one of the top leagues in, in North America. So like you have WCAC in the DMV area. Um, then I think we're right there, up there. Um, from a longevity standpoint, of course, the WCAC and the CIF and the, huh? the NEPSAC, they, they, they've been around for a long time. So for us to, to compete and, and produce the kind of kids that we produce in a short amount of time in comparison to those other leagues, I think like we're right up there. I, I think um, I think when you look at, at prep school of basketball in Canada, I think we're starting to create an atmosphere and a, and a culture. And uh, when I say that, you know, one, one school really comes to mind, and, uh, you know, not over any other school, but when you walk into Vaughn and you play at, uh, you know, 7 o'clock on, a, on a, let's say, a Tuesday or Wednesday night, uh, and it's their home game, they have fans packed in that gym, and it's an atmosphere and a culture they've created there. That, that's one of my favorite places to go play on the road. So, I mean, wh where, where's your guys' favorite place to play? Uh, for me, I like I like playing at um, at Rise Prep, uh, just because it's, it's similar to ours, but uh, they have they have a pretty good fan base as well, and uh, it's, it, it definitely is always fun. even when I played, like it was always fun playing on the road. But um, 
yeah, well, like with their atmosphere, like you kind of get that feel where it's like similar to to Vaughn, where good uh so good fan base, uh, fans are loud. They cheer for almost every single bucket, and uh, as as the as the opponent, like it kind of gets you fired up and. They start to catch up, or like they make a big play, and like okay, like now, like we got to keep competing and stuff like that. So, I think them. Oh, um, <laughs> it's tough. I'm gonna. I agree with you, with Vaughn, um, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna mix it up a little bit. I know one is a touchy one for us, um, but I'm gonna go with Carr, uh, and Thornley. Um, I like Carr based off the fact that you know when they really get that thing, when they really get that gym slammed, uh, you got. You know, fans right on the sideline, uh, pretty much hugging the baseline right in yeah. the corner. So if you're shooting that corner three, you got, you know, it's almost like Duke Stadium. You got people literally right on top of you. Um, that kind of atmosphere to, to, to whether it was playing, which I had the, the opportunity to do so, and it, I think it used to be a lot, a lot crazier. Um, um, or to now when coaching, uh, it's just an amazing atmosphere to be a part of. And, and the one thing I like to I, I think if, yeah. if Melnick let people chew gum in there, <laughs> <more people laughs> yeah. no, but uh, I think I like Thorn Lee as well, <clears throat> based off of just like you know, the fan base. I think you know, obviously, the addition of, of a few of the parents, um, and seeing how active they are on the sideline and, and, and just the energy they bring. Obviously, I know for a lot of people, they, they look at that as very extra and. Uh, a little bit too comical, but you know, for me, uh, you know, someone that is comical myself, uh, I love it. I have no problems with it. Uh, for me, it feels like a home game when it's an away game. So for me, the, I, I like when the gyms are are mm -hmm. busy and packed like that, and it, there's a lot of energy. There's the trash talking. You know, for me, the, you know, once again, the, whether it's coaching or you know playing previously, uh, that's my element. I love those kind of uh, those kind of atmospheres, and you know, I live for those kind of moments. So I, I would go with Carr and, and Thornley. Manny? Uh, I'd, I'd probably go Carr as well, just based off the tradition, the history of that program. You know, it's been around for years. You know, I think they've done a great job with the tradition, the obviously Carr early bird, and I just love the whole history behind it. You know, they produce some good guys, and just out of respect for that program, you know, definitely Carr. I, I, there's one that, um, there's one that kind of stands out to me too, where they're trying to create the culture and and they're doing all the right things yeah, with the, the player intros and everything, and that's going out to Southwest as well. Yeah. Um, I think they've, they've been doing a pretty good job out there um, trying to, to make sure that it's an event for, for their fans and their people. Um, so, you know, shout out there. Um, let, let's just flip it back for a minute uh, on your Final Four visit. Manny and, and, and uh, Jeremy, you guys headed out to uh, Minnesota this past week, got to spend some time at the Final Four. Tell me, uh, I'll start with you, Manny. What was your biggest takeaway from there in terms of something that you saw, did, met, someone you met? What, what did you take away with you there and your biggest learning? I just think I took away, you know, how helpful, you know, older coaches are towards the younger generation now. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like everybody is starting to pour down and kind of give back. You know, I had so many people reconnect with me that, you know, were so willing to, provide a helping hand, you know, told me that, hey, it's an open book here to come to your practices, to give them a phone call if I ever have any questions. And, you know, that's very encouraging as a young coach, you know, to have people in the profession that are open to, you know, helping the younger guys learn and obviously, you know, uh, hear things that, you know, that they're going through. So I thought it was a great from to see older coaches have that sort of uh, openness with younger guys. Jeremy, what was yours? Um... I think my biggest takeaway this year was was understanding that that there's levels to this thing. Um, like we talk about this coaching business and profession, and um, 
And I think you get out there and you realize that it really is levels to this whole thing. Um, I'm, I'm glad and fortunate that they provide a platform for young coaches to learn, um, network with each other. Um, dudes that you see on TV all year long, you get to actually walk up and talk to them. Um, and, and they're open. Like it's not. I, I feel like they, they deal with a lot of fanfare throughout the year and for them to know that, like people, the most, the gist of the people that's talk, that's approaching and talking to my coaches who want to learn and who've been where they've been, and they can, they can, they can, they've been where you've been, so they they know what you feel like when you talk to them, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I think my biggest takeaway this this year around was understanding like the magnitude of it and understanding that there's there's really are levels to this thing. Absolutely. Now, uh, who who was your most inter- entertaining uh, conversation that you you pulled aside? Obviously, Jeremy, you got to meet back up with Coach Hop, but Manny, you were there. Who who were you able to catch the ear of and have a have a good conversation where where you left thinking, oh my God, I I really talked to that guy. Um, I thought it was pretty neat to touch base with Coach John Beeline. and uh, I say that because you know I actually had just kind of a natural bump into him. You know, I didn't kind of go out of my way, which is kind of neat. You know, I came out of, I went to a Bible study group in the morning. Uh, that was for coaches at 8.30, and he happened to just be outside in that alleyway, you know. And so, and I, the reason I liked it was because he was with his son, Patrick Bilan, who just took the job at Niagara University. And so I thought it was amazing to connect with uh, Beeline, talk about Iggy's progression, talk about, you know, his Canadian connect, and also get a chance to meet Patrick, you know, who's planning to be in our gym a lot and recruit some of our Canadian guys. You know, so I think it was kind of just like a, just something that, you know, wasn't planned and it just kind of, you know, kind of happened. So I, I love, I like, I like, I'm a fan of the natural encounters. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Uh, Jeremy, who, who, who was yours? Mm, I don't know if I really have one. I think it was good for me to, um, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of He just doesn't want to look like a fanboy. <laughs> I mean, naturally, I'm not, but I mean, it was. I think it was good for me to reconnect with. I had a good conversation with Mike Boynton. Um, he was a part of the Next Generation Coaches Coaching You um, seminar that was put together by Coach Brendan Sir, who used to be a coach for the Detroit Pistons back in the day, and he was with LSU with Ben Simmons. And um, I listened to me and Manny listened to his podcast throughout the year all the time, anyway. So I think it was good to to get to speak to him, and then again reconnect with Coach Boynton. And um, just talk to him and um, kind of pick his brain, and I'll be potentially going to Oklahoma State and just picking their picking their brains and just being a fly on the wall. I uh, it, it's crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in for one sec here and, and say like being over here in Portland and and watching this uh, with you guys on on uh, IG live here and and being part of it. it it's it's crazy the amount of people that actually sign in. So I just wanted to give a shout out to all the people that are watching and paying attention to what you guys are doing and, and, and value your guys' opinion and and look forward to Whiteboard Wednesdays every week. So if, if they do have any questions, make sure you ask them. We'll, we'll do our best to answer any of those questions. But oh Yeah, we got, we got um, to put those in at the end. Y'all got something for it. Our, 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 next, our next topic, I'm going to skip over for a second and, and really – get into something, because as I was sitting here, um, you know, it, it was official. I think it was an unforgone conclusion. R.J. Barrett's going to enter the NBA draft. But with that being said, 
What, what do you guys think about the, the amount of Canadians that have entered the draft this year? When, when you see with Iggy has declared, Simi, O'Shea, Lou, um, I think Nikhil, um, there, there's just a ton. I think there's eight, if I'm not mistaken, that are, are going to or are about to declare. So what's your guys' take on that? And, and you know, shout out to those guys for chasing their dreams. Um, what's, what's your what's your feel on, on the amount of Canadians that are coming through here right now? Um, it's, it's honestly, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even say surreal. Like, just because, like, I knew – like when I was in college, like just seeing like the young talent growing up. Um, like first starts off with you know my brother Tyler, and Andrew Wiggins and Xavier Raton Mays and those guys. Like I knew they were gonna be something special when they got to college, and I remember telling my teammates like you know like just look out for Canada. Like you know we're on the come up and stuff like that. So just seeing like how we started. I mean, I think what Tristan was the first one. Uh, well, not not necessarily the first one. I mean we have Jamal yeah, McGlory, and Steve Nash yeah. and stuff like that. But like. Uh, with people that like you know we more so knew personally um we're in a top ten position yeah uh just seeing that like it's it's honestly like for a lack of words like it's cool because like we're so used to seeing like a lot of Americans and like granted America has a lot a lot of talent Americans and Europeans getting drafted in the lottery and stuff like that, and then seeing kids that we know uh from Canada being lottery picks number one picks and all that kind of stuff it's it's a it's a beautiful thing to see because like it just shows how much talent we have in in Canada and the fact that like you know these kids are like being able to you know compete with you know top players in the world mm-hmm. and uh, and consistently doing that uh, even uh, once they get there um, it, it's definitely a great thing to see. Um, Jeremy, what, you being from LA, uh, Toronto has the second most NBA players. Next to LA, I believe. What, what's your what's your feel and, and feedback when you look at, at the state of basketball in Canada? Because when I look at the younger kids now, and I keep saying this, and I amaze myself when I say it, is I think the younger kids are even better than the kids that are coming now. <laughs> I um I I think I'm first and foremost. I think I'm blessed to be able to be here. <clears throat> um, I think you and Jesse have provided a platform for these kids. That's second to none. Um, like, if you look at it, AI and Orangeville Pratt will have O'Shea, Iggy, and Lou ending the draft this year. And then you alone, having bounced, you can add Simi to that to that batch. So, it's like, you literally got four kids you about to have in the draft. And I think that's that and that alone is, is very rare. And I think some people who don't get it take that for granted. Um, so again, I just want to thank you and Jesse for first having me here. Like this is a, it's, it's a crazy, it's, it's almost crazy, but it's like seems so normal and regular. Um, but I think it's dope though. I don't know. I, I think, I think, I think it's really good for the state of basketball up here. I mean, it speaks to everything that we've been saying already about Toronto and, and, and the greater Toronto area as far as the talent that they have around here. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, it, it, to me, it makes sense. Like you said, like we see these young kids, we had them at the Bob Steel Futures game and, even the kids in the ball still singers game. I mean, like it's gonna be a lot of pros that's coming out out of the, out of this out of this region. So I think it'd, it'd be good. I, I, I want to give a shout out to to all the guys that are grinding it out in the gym and and helping get these guys ready. I mean, there, there's guys from grade two, three, four, five, all the way up working with these kids every single day and doing a great job with them and 
you know, traveling around, you know, Ontario, traveling to the States with these kids. And I, I don't think they get enough credit, the guys that are, are coaching these guys. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's just been an amazing uh, run, and, and I think it's going to only get better. We just got to make sure that we hold basketball in Canada down, make sure we keep it Canadian, and make sure that there's some way that, that people can continue to, you know, um, work together on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, shout out to all those guys entering the draft. June's going to be an amazing month. You know, I hope their their pre-draft workouts go great. Um, but uh, you know, what what's your guys' thoughts on on uh, AAU right now in, in terms of uh, progressing forward in the state of AAU and 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 how important do you think AAU is in the development exposure? Uh, and opportunities for these kids moving forward through through April, May, June, July this year. Manny, um, I think AU uh, for the previous years, especially with rule changes now. You know, we're all kind of going to see how it's going to play out. But I think previously, I thought AU was great for these kids. In the in the and I say that because you know it provided a stage where you have hundreds of coaches that come out from all various different levels to give these kids an opportunity to be seen. Um, you know, like I said, so we don't know how it's going to be this year. You know, but I thought AAU was great. Of course, you know, things are, you know, done under the table, you know, that unfortunately and fortunately came out. Um, so I feel like that will always exist. You know, I think that's not only in basketball. I think that's every, in every other sport. So, you know, uh, but other than that, but for the kids, generally speaking, you know, it's a great platform for them. Um, Pat? Um, I like. I totally agree with Manny. Just to touch on a few other things, I think that you're just giving the kids a chance, um, especially Canadian guys. Um, you know, they're all so eager uh, to showcase their talents. Um, but once you know, when, once again, for me, uh, just you know, kind of rolling back uh, down memory lane when it was my first tournament and it, we were traveling and it was the AAU circuit. That was some overwhelming uh, um, times. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't easy. Um, and it's a little bit kind of like, uh, you know, getting dumped into a bucket of ice-cold water. Uh, it can be a serious challenge for a lot of players. Uh, it, it can be a culture shock. Um, so I think that, you know, once again, you're, you're giving them the opportunity. Necessarily is the opportunity that they, that they need or that they want. Um, that's for them to decide once they, uh, they get that experience. But I feel that, you know, they're getting the chance to play against top talent, like Brandon had mentioned. You know, uh, you know Americans are such so dominant at the game of basketball. Uh, so for us to get a chance to just go down there and once again the kids to even just visit uh, different states um, and different parts of the uh, of America, I think it's just you know it's an amazing opportunity. It's something that you'll never forget. Um, it's you know a life changing uh, experience and you know it's it's bonding that you know now looking back on it, it's stuff that I miss you know every day. Um, you know uh, waking up going to the gym, watching games with the guys, you know, from going all the way to, you know, just team runs, going to McDonald's, uh, to, you know, staying up late. Now Nowadays it's Fortnite for the guys. You know, back then for us it was literally just 2K. But, like, you know, it, it's just it's cool to see the, the opportunities, especially it's, it's expanding so much moving forward. Um, but it's great to see, like, what AAU has really done, especially from a Canadian standpoint. And that's what, you know, once again, it's either A, exposing us or, or B, uh, for, for the better, or, you know, B, exposing us for, for, the, for the worse, where you're just getting to see guys that, you know, either can or can't play. And that becomes a challenge for them to go back in the gym and want to get better for the next, the next season, the next time around, um, or B, exposing us to the point where, you know, 
we can play. We got guys, we got some dudes here that, um, you know, should be noticed and, and should be put on, uh, you know, put on the board. Um, so, you know, I, th I think it's just a great experience, a great time, uh, a great opportunity um, for these guys to get. Have any of you guys been paying attention to, uh, you know, the, the Senior Men's Canada team in, in terms of the coaching situation they're in right now? Who who do you think Canada should hire if you if you were the head of Canada basketball? Who are you hiring as the next head coach? <clears throat> Roy Rand. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I agree too, and and I'm sitting here thinking like, man, sometimes the best option is sitting right under your. You know, I I loved what Jay Triano did, and and that's my guy, and I think he did an amazing job, and he's no longer in the picture. Like just end this search and give it to Roy Rand yeah, and let him prove what he can do. We're beating around I think the bush. Most of the new generation yeah. ballers right now all grew up playing for Roy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yes. it, it's something where I think he'd be able to walk in, spend and dedicate a ton of time on on getting it done. I mean, I, I saw him yesterday at Hoop Summit practice. He does a great job with his guys. Um, I think the NBA guys would love him, and, and I think they should just end this thing right now and just give Roy Rand the job. If you're asking me. I definitely agree with you, T. And the reason why I say that is just, you know, through my first year of coaching and through studying the game, half the battle is the buy-in factor. You know, to get players to buy into what you're saying. And that's what Roy Ryan does a great job of. You know, everywhere he's been, he's always guys, players to buy in. And so I think, you know, like you said, it's, I don't think it's that complicated. I think he did a great job with the senior men's national team. Well, hopefully someone's watching this and, and, and takes up. Uh, our opinion, uh, seriously, but, you know, I, I, I'm all in for Roy Rana and, and getting that job. Uh, with that being said, leading into here, what's your predictions on Friday night Hoop Summit, uh, World Team or Team USA? Got to go with the world. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going World Team. Yeah. I mean, that, like, it, it's, not, it's not like a... Might be a little biased. Yeah, it, it's not like going to be a light, like like an easy pick because uh, that U.S. team is, is loaded yes. with talent. Um, a lot of those guys, like you see on social media uh, through highlight tapes and stuff like that, but also like with the um, with the world team, like they they've got some kids that have made a lot of noise at you know basketball without borders in their prep schools. So um, it, it's gonna. I think I was saying it this morning. Like I think it's gonna be like a, a single digit type lead. Um, and I can see it coming down to the wire, but I think I think the world's going to come out on top. I, I think a couple guys, Jeremy, you, you're going with World Team too. You know that I'm not. <laughs> um, I think. Um, uh, are you? I mean, our our team is our USA team is loaded. Like our Josh Green and Nico Mannion and, and our very own Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Like they're 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 very they're very very good. And I, I've liked what I've seen from their team, but. Them, them American kids, man, they're different. Like, they're a different kind of different. Like, and I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna show. You, you know what I like is that um, I think this world team has a lot of U.S. experience in it, and, and I think that's what makes us a little bit different right now. Watching the practice yesterday, yeah. true. Um, Nico, the point guard, he, he did an awesome job yesterday, just finding guys and creating his own shot and knocking down open shots. He. he he, he really impressed me yesterday. Um, Precious, uh, that, that's a man right there. And, and then you look at uh, the other big for the world team. Um, Kofi? Benny, we talked about him earlier. Kofi Cockburn. Kofi. Kofi's just, just huge. 
and and you know their their post presence and and Ma running the wing and I think they got a little bit of everything, and they got that international flavor, but they also have that, that U.S. experience that I think is going to help them when they walk into that game where it's not the first time seeing these U.S. players. So I think it is going to be a close game. Uh, i got to go with my bias of, uh, you know, the, the world team in this one by three. There we go. What, what, what's, what's the spread, Tom, <laughs> if we had one? The, the spread? No spread. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's straight up three. It's a pickle. Got it. Absolutely. But uh, hey, Mark, is there any uh, any questions? I know you uh, yeah. you had said that there was a question. Can you, can you fire that to the group? I got some tea from last week that we didn't get to. Uh, All right, perfect. How many? We got a we got a few. How many want to get through? I don't know, let's let's try to blast them out really quick. And if you can, uh, Jeremy, you just kind of pick who you want to answer each one there that you got, and then and then uh, Mark, you throw some out too. Um, we got we had one from last week uh, from Reason TDE. How has the pick and roll changed with the new increase of the amount of threes taken now? I think like with that too, like just because like uh, the traditional big man uh, to put it like is slowly become. Uh, deteriorating away mm-hmm. where you're seeing a lot of fours and even fives like you know hitting, hitting the three at a consistent rate so a lot of time even with the pick and roll like as much as much as they used to pick and roll to the basket it's more so pick and pop now and then those guys are able to create like create for themselves uh like they like the guards do and the wings do and stuff like that so i think just like the evolution of you know the stretch big being yeah. able to uh, score from the outside like i think that's the biggest change in my opinion i think I, it's i think I, it's different like when you uh, when you think of like I think we like growing up when you thought of pick and roll you thought of John Stockton and Carl Malone mm-hmm. and it's like it's always it was always John Stockton like getting downhill either for a layup or a drop off for a dunk or a 15 footer and I think now it's like it's more so kind of used to like just to get the dude off me to shoot this three or it's a pick and pop and it's like our bigs now like we have the USA world team conversation it's like well, a lot of these USA kids are they're trying to play like European bigs as far as picking a pop in and being out there under the ball and like it's different now you see guards setting screens for bigs like it's, it's just different so I think with the amount of threes taken like we've changed the game to get more threes off and I think the pick and roll is, is for sure taking I think two. yesterday sorry Pat uh, yesterday Roy was doing a lot of good stuff it's funny that you asked that question because in that that uh, hoop summit practice he really did a good job interchanging and using the high screen and roll with, with the other guy, you know, the foreman then uh, flashing up and, uh, you know, interchanging out to the perimeter. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think what it does is it allows for coaches now to be a lot more creative with the versatility that you have one through five. Um, and I saw that yesterday where it, it really is positionless and, and, and everyone can kind of do everything, uh, even though you have those – traditional big bodies they're a lot more skilled and that was the biggest takeaway i saw yesterday in regards to the screen and roll and the screen and pop and and things like that i think it takes away a little bit too from like that traditional big man position you know like jeremy mentioned carl malone like he'd be getting that basketball on the doorstep a lot and now you know what brandon mentioned you're getting a lot of the times and kind of touching on what you just said with roy in the practice you're getting a lot of the times now off of pick and roll um you have the big rolling but then the opposite big lifting opposite key line so you're you know I think a, a little bit what it does is it, it takes away from that traditional big you know gain the gain the ball on the roll seeing him on the doorstep letting him operate from there um, to now 
you, you're having to see him catch and shoot or operate from the wing, and you're giving it, you're giving the bigs more of a chance to showcase what they can do, you know, off the rip on a, a, a just the catch and, and catch and go. Um, so I think it took away a little bit from that traditional big position, but it also added and kind of like you said, it, the game is now positionless. Um, you know, you have bigs that can guard guards and guards that can guard bigs, and it's just the, the game is just so interchangeable now, so much different with pace um, and, and just the style of play. So I, I think that would be my intake on, on the whole screen and roll uh, in today's game. All right, perfect. Next question. Um, all right, uh, this one's from It's Naj XO. Uh, Naj. <laughs> uh, she said, um, NBA Super Teams, is it making uh, the game boring to watch or no? And I, I think uh, – I'll set that one off. Um I feel like it kind of, in some aspects, it is because like, uh, like you look at Golden State Warriors, they're 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 their own All Star team. Like, like it's pretty much it's pretty obvious. Like they have five All Stars, and like you put them up against a team like not not trying to like downplay anybody, but like if you put them up against Chicago, like you're pretty much saying like yeah, Golden State's gonna win, and it doesn't make it more or less every position. Yeah, it's it's that, yeah, it's like it's literally like pick your poison like at from one through five. And like it, it I want to say as much as like making it boring, but the excitement of like you know having to come down to the wire kind of kind of game, like the chances of that happening is it isn't as consistent as it was like back in the day where like a lot of the stars were like spread out throughout uh, each team. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna jump in here and, and say, uh, you know, when 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 the NBA season kicks off and you sit there and you look at the teams, you could really sit down and kind of pinpoint probably the 10 teams that are going to compete, and there's only 10 teams competing when you really look at it. And, you know, I don't care about one through eight in, in each of the divisions. Is The teams that are competing to win, uh, you know, you start to look at all the rest of the teams. The other 20 teams kind of resort to the fact that they're going to play the, the, the draft and, and mm-hmm. you know, hope, hopefully grab a free agent in the future. I, I think there needs to be something done to allow – a little bit of parity or a little bit more parity. So, uh, you know, in regards to the question, I think NBA super teams do make it boring where, you know, you just gang up to, to try to win a championship versus trying to create a legacy and build programs. I just find that it creates uh, non-loyalty. When, when I was growing up and you turn on the TV and, <clears throat> you know, you, you saw Larry Bird. I really believe Larry Bird was from Boston. I, I, I believe that yeah. Magic Johnson was from L.A. I believe Michael Jordan was from Chicago. Like, you just, they were the jersey they wore, and, and now it's become such a business. And it was back then, but the money is just so astronomical right now that, you know, you, you can't believe that a player is truly representing that city and that brand they're coming from until they, 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 they show and prove. So that's kind of my point on it. I think real quick, sorry guys, if anyone wanted to touch more on that. I think one team actually, like, you know, we're talking about super teams, but I think one thing um, that I think that's been great from this year uh, is you're seeing, you know, once again, I think you always kind of see that five through eight kind of switch each year. I think for, you know, maybe not last year, but maybe four years or so leading up to last year and this year, it was kind of very consistent with the groups that you saw in the back half. Um, But now you got, you know, I'm just going to go off Eastern Conference alone, but 
to see what Orlando Magic and the Brooklyn Nets have done and just that little bit of a drought that they've been on and, you know, touching on what you said, Tony, just with, with, with Larry Bird and thinking he's from Boston and then, you know, Michael Jordan feeling he's from Chicago. Like right now, the way uh, uh, D-Loading is playing, you know, he's playing like he's from, like he's a, he's a, a Brooklyn native. Um, you know, he's on the cover of Slam. They're calling him the king of Brooklyn. Got him all, you know, draped up looking like Biggie. Um, and even the jerseys. Uh, so I think, like, you know, what they have going on right now and talking and, and touching a little bit more on culture, um, you know, they have a, a, a good little chance maybe to make a run or, or, or make some noise in the first round of the playoffs. And you just, once again, I think March Madness, NBA playoffs, you know, you just really don't know what happens on any given night. Anyone can come and show up and play. And I think with, you know, a, a team like Brooklyn, um, they got nothing to lose. So they're going to go out there and hoop, and, and he's going to continue to keep doing what he's doing. He's probably, you know, uh, an argument right now for most improved player of the year. So I, I think it's amazing to see what some of those teams that were struggling the past, you know, three or so years um, are now kind of coming into the spotlight again and getting those, uh, getting that feel, get, uh, getting the attention, um, and, and giving just a new look, a new face to the league. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy, just as FYI, because I know we always keep track, I'm sitting here getting updates, and I just saw that uh, Rick Barnes hired Kim English as his assistant. So that's a, an interesting one there. So Shout out Kim. But, that's, uh, my, that's my man. Shout out Kim. That's my, that's my guy. Absolutely. Now, any other questions there? Uh, so we're going to dive in, too. Oh, my going? There's one from uh, Instagram last week. Mateo.Sagar. Zogar. What is, the most, what is the importance of a prep school for high schoolers thinking D1? I think it's a, I think, I think it's, it's, I don't think you have to have it. I think it's valuable in the sense that it prepares you um, to be able to live a Division One lifestyle if you are, in fact, a Division One kid. Now, I'm not saying that prep schools are, 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 or magic tricks, like you don't walk in the door and walk out Division One basketball player. Like I think that has a lot to do with, with, with your own accountability and responsibility for your own game. Yes, we do have the resources to be able to help you and propel you to do that, and the network, and, and even given the network, everybody doesn't have the same network. Um, but I, I think it, it better prepares you if you actually want to go Division One, actually be good at Division One, not just get to Division One. I think it's good in that sense. If you if you're looking grand scheme, I think that's what it helps you prepare for. Um, especially here, like we have a staff that's that has that has the, the the network that has that's been there, that's done it, and I think in our case, I mean, I'm kind of self promoting us right now, but that's just what it is. Like we're we're one of the best that's out here, so it's like the value in it is that it helps you be able to get there and actually do well, and not just get there. I think I think it allows you to, to to find out whether you like basketball, love basketball. I think it it allows you to determine whether this is really the path that you're choosing, and you take advantage. You know, when I look at the prep school environment and, and something that we all talk about as coaches, I see you guys all nodding your heads. It, it it you really find out which kids are really about it, about it, or or which kids say they're about it and only want to do half the workouts or not show up early in the morning or not put in the work that it takes to be a Division One athlete. Forget the NBA, forget everything else. you got to put in work every single day, and, and you have the resources sitting around the table. You have the gym, you have the facility, you have the workouts, 
you know, this is where you, if, if you take advantage of all of those things that are structured for your success, yeah. you can only get better. Not everyone's a Division One player, I agree, Jeremy, but everyone has the opportunity, ability to, to chase a dream and try to get better to the best of their ability given the resources they're given. And I think that's where, where prep schools are, are such a huge advantage is the accessibility, the reliability, and the the uh, ability to have um, sound instruction, development, and programming around you. Um, I, I, I think that's what the biggest difference is in whether or not you're, you're going to be successful or not. I, I think, T, just to touch on that, one, one of the words that you last touched on was reliability. Um, you know, I think above all else in helping these guys get to Division One or youth sport or D2, junior college, whatever the case may be, is we're, we're holding these kids accountable. We're making sure that they're holding themselves to be reliable enough to, to get things done in their given day, not just basketball. You know, like their schoolwork, making their bed, um, cleaning up after themselves, whether it's, you know, uh, in the kitchen or in the basement at, a, at our prep school, being respectful to others. Um, and, and their surroundings and where they live, you know, for, for the four, of the, the, three of the three of the guys that I'm around, um, you know, we all live with them. So, you know, we, we, we take on that, that role as not just a coach, but almost, you know, more or less, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, we are almost become parents. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we've also matured a, a lot as, as well as coaches and people, um, which is the biggest thing, and I think take away from just this prep, uh, this, you know, prep school, um, not just here, but anyone. I think that, you know, this is something that I'm, extremely jealous and envious of these guys because I, I wish I had an opportunity like this. And, you know, you know a huge shout-out to UT um, and, 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 and the Bounce program and what it did for me. You know, you guys laid out a, a, an amazing foundation for me and helped build the character I, I'd say that I am today. Um, and I think a lot of that is is a, a, a testament to the program that you play for, The pre, uh, you know, whether it's high school or it's uh, outside of it. Um, but I think the most important thing is, is the reliability factor um, is we're helping these guys become more mature young men um, and kind of set off or set the tone for what's next, even if it's not a Division One level or basketball at all. Um, we're helping them become young adults and, and make decisions on their own before, you know, all of a sudden you fall flat on your face and you're looking towards those, you know, those uh, um, uh, coaching figures or teachers or whoever it was and all of a sudden, you know, kind of throwing shade or blame on them for not, you know, giving you that chance or that opportunity. And I think that... For the four of us, we provided the kids, especially this year, more than they could have ever have imagined. Um, and I think it's up to them to, you know, like we said, take the next step in actually putting in the work um, or taking that step after they're done with this, this chance and this opportunity and realizing, man, I should have listened to what Coach was saying and uh, I totally get what he meant there. Um, but I think the reliability factor uh, is huge um, on, you know, just what you can take away from being in a program like, like you know, ours or any other prep program in, in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mark, was there any more questions? That's all I got. <coughs> all right. So what I, what I think we'll do next week, uh, obviously next next Whiteboard Wednesday, next Wednesday, what, what I'd like to do is probably pull um, M.A. and fresh off the Hoop Summit and kind of pick his brain on some of the learnings that he learned being around, you know, the international players, the international flavor, and then also uh, – Either either get at them for our, our three point win or, or or get at them for our, our bigger loss. We'll uh, we'll see how that goes. But I I, I want to keep uh, you know stressing the fact that you guys are doing a great job. Um, I, I think the sky's the limit for you guys. Stay focused, um, and and we just got to keep pushing through for for all the kids that actually want to want to push hard. And, and shout out to those guys and 
you know, shout out Howie from Syracuse is logged in, Tyler logged in. Shout out to all the guys that are, are watching online that, that pop in here. And, and you know, I, I'm even going to give a shout out, although I'm a little disappointed at uh, some of the kids that are supposed to be in class right now that logged in. Uh, What's happening? We'll be talking to you after. But, uh, it, might, it might be uh, lunch. Uh, it's okay. Uh, it's they, they got uh, lunch at 1140, so they, they, they caught it uh, in time. It, it might be lunch. We, we might have the right time here. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I just wanted to thank you guys and 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 let's stay focused and and let let's keep this thing rolling. There's there's only bigger and better things for all of you uh, in, in the works and and I can't wait to uh, to see your guys' success and be a part of it. So, Absolutely. Mark, thank you for everything as well and and, and let's keep this thing rolling. Absolutely, let's do it. Thanks, Steve. Word to Tyree Samuel. Thanks, Guru. <laughs> all right, boys. All right.